everybody. How's it going? I, you guys caught me slimming myself. I always do that right when the camera turns on and I see like this big roll right here because my shirt's tucked in. I'm like, I know what'll fix it. There we go. Can barely see me. Uh, welcome to Awkward Silence. See? Huh? Fancy. Uh, <laughs> my name is Brian Malika. I will be your host. Flying solo today as Brant Tobler is not here. In fact, I, I got to be honest with you, I don't know how many more Brant Tobler episodes we have left in us. Uh, it is official, uh, Brant Tobler has purchased an apartment uh, in Los Angeles. I know, it's horrible, so uh, I think uh, by, uh, uh, he has put a date on himself for June 1st that he's going to be out of here. Now to be fair, Brant has put many dates on himself in the past that have meant nothing. Uh, but now he has a lease, and uh, I know that guy's not making a ton of money. So I think this might be the thing that kicks him in the ass, but, uh, but he has promised uh, that he's going to uh, at least come on to say goodbye one more time. I think we'll get a couple more episodes out of him. Uh, but I'm glad you guys are here on this extra special Friday edition of Awkward Silence, so thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, don't forget if you are one of the, uh, uh, the few in the proud that are hanging out with us uh, here, uh, last minute notice uh, in the live chat, please shoot us uh, a message. Uh, if you miss us live, always email me, <coughs> awkward at vegasvideonetwork.com. Uh, you can uh, get the audio-only version of the uh, website if you're afraid of my ear. Uh, and, uh, and definitely subscribe to the show via iTunes. All right, so um, I'm, uh, I'm feeling kind of good about today's show. I, I of course, do miss Brant, but, uh, but we're going to be doing something cool. Kind of over the next few shows, we're going to be doing this a couple times, really spending some time focusing on... Uh, uh, on people who are either uh, just starting out in comedy uh, or just kind of getting the nerve up, maybe always wanted <coughs> to do it. I noticed that a, a, there's a core group of people that, that watch this show that have always sort of had this uh, idea that they want to do stand-up uh, and, uh, and have never really gotten, uh, gotten a chance to get up and do that. Uh, and, and a few of them have reached out to me. In fact, I got a chance to meet uh, one of them last night at the big Vegas Video Network star-studded gala event. <laughs> Uh, over at uh, the Tropicana, Nikki Beach, which was a lot of fun. I got to meet uh, our fan, as I call him. Uh, <laughs> uh, John, uh, John, who has been uh, watching the show since week number one uh, and, uh, and enjoys it. And I guess John's a, a writer uh, by trade and said he's always kind of thought, hey, you know, I think I could do stand-up, you know, and, and wanted to give it a try. So we kind of went back and forth about it. Uh, and I realized, you know, we, we talk to these comics that are, are seasoned vets and, uh, you know, have a lot of name recognitions, 20 years in the business. And w don't get me wrong, we're definitely still going to, you know, uh, reach out to some, some great uh, headliners that, that hopefully many of you have heard of. Uh, but uh, I also want to spend some time talking about the other side. You know, yeah, we can talk about somebody, you know, what, what they do after 20 years, but how about how you get into it. You know, we, we don't spend a ton of time talking about that. So we're going to be doing that a few times over, uh, over the next month or so. So uh, I certainly hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, it was funny because I was talking to John and he, uh, like most people, was kind of nervous uh, about it. You know, uh, he said that he had taken a class and maybe it didn't go so well. Uh, uh, you know, and it, everyone, of course, is nervous before they go up uh, first time. I am nervous every time I go up, which is sad after 12 years, kind of. But um, I, I, I told him that Best thing you can do, and this is my advice to everybody out there, all right, uh, if there's a place uh, in town that has an open mic, you know, the place that you've always thought, one day I'm going to go down there and try that open mic, just go down there and check it out. Don't perform. Just go watch it. I promise you, you will feel better about yourself after watching an open mic. Because they are train wrecks. People are terrible. And, and, and not to shit on them, you're supposed to be terrible. When, when you're just starting out at an open mic, you're supposed to be terrible. Uh, but uh, here, So here's my one piece of advice. I gave it to John, and I will give it to you. Uh, as long as you know where the funny part is supposed to be in your joke, 
you are already light years ahead of everybody else. Okay, uh, the, the biggest uh, thing that I've, I've noticed, uh, the people that, that go to open mics because they're funny with their friends or, you know, uh, wherever unfunny places they hang out where they're the funniest person, uh, they get up there and they try to recreate these funny moments from their life, right? And it always ends up with just uncomfortable rambling for a really long amount of time. Uh, that's never going to work out. Okay, winging it your first time is never going to work out. Uh, so I told John, and I'll tell you, if you want to try this out, Write out in just, just three minutes, all right? You're not Richard Pryor, all right? No one wants to see you for an hour and a half. Three minutes, write everything out, and make sure that uh, at the end of every story or, or joke, there's a part that you think is where the funny part's supposed to be. I always say this about myself. Uh, every joke I've ever written has not been funny. I can promise you that. But I've always known where the funny part was supposed to be. If it wasn't funny, well, I fucked up. But I always knew that that's where it was supposed to be. So there it is. That's my one tip for today uh, to anyone who's thinking about trying an open mic for the first time. Go check it out. Write everything down. Know where the funny part's supposed to be. All right. Uh, so I'm excited to kind of chat with our headliner a little bit. Before we do that, I think we need to do a fit or fat update. Can we do that? Yes, we can. Oh, always excited. Here we go. I guess you know how this is going to go. Uh, all right. So I'm up a pound. All right. No big deal. All right, there, okay, go ahead. Let's hear it. Mm -hmm. uh, why? Don't half ass the, the noise, Whitney. Come on. Uh, I, I, I did. I, I forgot to plug in the uh, <laughs> iPad. I put on a pound. Uh, honestly, I think it's mojito weight from last night. I have to be honest with you. Uh, but I'm still feeling cocky enough that I wore a horizontal striped shirt. So, how's that as a fuck you to society? I don't care about what you say is right. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm, I, it's also because it's Friday. I'm used to my fasting on Wednesday, so when I weigh myself first thing Thursday morning, it all works out in my favor. Uh, up a little bit late last night, doing some drinking, it was not going to work out. I'm happy to only be up one pound. That's a victory. And that is how you spin getting fatter into a positive. Uh, all right, everybody, uh, enough of my babbling. I think it's time for our headliner today. All right, so uh, generally when we bring out our headliner, uh, I come and I list uh, you know, all of their credits uh, and, uh, and then uh, you know, I turn it over to them. But I think today we're going to do it a little bit differently. Why don't, we, why don't we get a little clip of our headliner? Can we do that? Hi, this is Scott Pritchard from Let's Bet. You're watching the Vegas Video Network. It's VegasVideoNetwork.com. You're not using this one, right? <laughs> don't you dare use this one. <laughs> There he is, right? He is, uh, I believe, he's making his headlining debut right here on Awkward Silence. Uh, many of you know him as the host of uh, Let's Bet right here on the Vegas Video Network. Uh, he also is one of the newest and quickest rising stand-up comics here in Las Vegas. It's Scotty Pritchard, everybody. What's up? <laughs> welcome, welcome, Scott. Uh, first of all, uh, I just want to say, uh, love Let's Bet. I've really been enjoying it. Uh, I think you and, uh, and Jacob do a great job. Which, by the way, can I just say something? Because I think now you understand where I'm coming from. Uh, Jacob is a workhorse in this building, right? He usually handles all the cameras, you know, every show that, that I did on Awkward Silence. He was always in here. Uh, you know, even sometimes Scott would be out running errands. Jacob always working on the equipment. He starts doing the show with you. I haven't seen that motherfucker in here since working. <laughs> Welcome to my world. Guy gets a little bit of publicity on the Vegas Video Network, goes Hollywood on you. Sucks. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I've been enjoying the show, so I'm glad you're here. 
great. It's good to be here. Happy Friday. I watch this show, Awkward Silence, on a weekly basis. I'm a big fan. Keep doing what you're doing. Obviously, it's working. Yeah, and uh, and I uh, yeah. I also participate with your show because you guys you know release your picks. You pick a game, and you you and Jacob each release your picks. And then I've uh, I've kind of thought it has been fun lately to release my picks on the same game. And I got to tell you, I have been running hot on the games that you post. I have been running less hot on games that you don't post. And you only do the show one or two times a week. Can I get you to do more episodes? That's good. I commend you already because you acknowledge the fact that yeah. you will release a play per the same game that we might have an opinion on, but yeah. you'll do it before the game because there are so many false prophets out there. They're, they're experts right. after the game has been played. So right. I appreciate you posting and I yeah. appreciate the kind words. Oh, no problem. And also, I think the other thing I have in my favor is uh, you guys, because you know the, the show sometimes goes out the day after you, you, you record it to the general public. So you have to pick games that are sometimes you know a couple days away. It's much easier for me an hour before the game to put my pick up on the website, uh, you know, having two days worth of, of knowledge that you guys don't get. So that should also just be thrown out there. But That's a good point because, for instance, today's show, Friday morning, 11 o'clock, is when the broadcast takes place every, every week. Right. We want to have as much shelf life as possible. Sure. And Sunday, we have one game. No games tomorrow for right. pro basketball. Right. We have one game, which is talking about the Miami Heat taking on the Boston Celtics. But right. again, I have an opinion on everything when it comes to sports. Sides, totals, first half, whatever. So it's, <coughs> it's, it's, it's a fun, fun show. Yeah, no, I've been enjoying it, and I encourage people to watch it. Uh, even if you're not you know, uh, that into sports or sports betting, it's, it's interesting. So uh, I would definitely recommend checking it out. But uh, enough plugging your show. Can I get some time, please? Be uh, my guest. <laughs> let's talk some stand-up, man. Uh, I want to hear a little bit uh, about how you got into stand-up, because you've been doing this how long now? I started doing open mics a year ago, March, so about 13 months now. Right, and, and I have to say, the reason I said you're one of the, you know, the, the quickest rising stars is because uh, for, for people that have ever tried to do an open mic, uh, sometimes it takes a while from when you start doing open mics and you work your way up uh, and you're hosting. You have been hosting just about every Saturday night at the uh, LA Comedy Club downtown for how long now? Since October yeah, of so last since, year. Yeah, so since October, you've done every, which is, you know, the biggest night, the best night down there, uh, and you've hosted it. So that's, that's amazing. It really is impressive. Uh, let's start with why you decided to, to do this. The, the, when you first started, I got to try, I got to try doing stand-up. Where did it come from? First and foremost, I'm 46. I'm going to be 47 in July, obviously not getting any younger. Well, it's not like you're 50, so thank <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you know, otherwise crippled, unable to see properly, so you started at a good age. Uh, no. But something in the back of my mind I always thought about doing it, and today I wish, gosh, I wish I would have been doing it 20 years ago. So yeah. obviously anyone in their 20s that's thinking about it, do it, get in the game. I regret not doing it at that time, I live in the moment, having a great time. I love doing it. And I just started doing open mics three, four, five nights a week in March a year ago. And it just steadily progressed from there. Very serious about comedy mm -hmm. and would record myself every single set. And it seems to me that I know I'm uncomfortable hearing myself, seeing myself. I, I can't do it. Yeah. But we have to, or in my opinion, I have to, because right. it's the only way I can really tear apart, and I realize we tend to be our own worst critics. Always. To me, it's been a very positive learning experience hmm. to see and hone in terms of delivery, setup, punch, all those things, even gestures, yeah. eye contact, connecting with the audience, things of this nature. Now, uh, 
Let's back up a little bit. I, I want to know what, what made you finally pull the trigger on that first open mic? Something I had thought about, but I heard your intro and I respect that. Me personally, I felt, hey, I would wasted enough time or waited long enough. I went and just got on stage and did it. Yeah, and, and tell me about that first experience. The first experience was extremely scary. Right. Really happy when it was over, yeah. and certainly thinking, gosh, is this really something I want to do? And I could relate to what other comics, established comics, had said, you really have to have thick skin. And I went with three buddies. Yeah. And like me, they were kicked in the teeth. The yeah. only difference was I kept coming back, and they stopped. Well, that's what I always say. You do it one time, and you'll know. For anyone who's ever said, oh, yeah, I've always thought maybe I could do this. I've always wanted to do it. Do it one time. You will know at that point whether you ever want to do it again. Plenty of people, and there's nothing wrong with it, plenty of people try it one time and they say, well, fuck that. Uh, and, and that's totally okay. Uh, and, but, but I think what really happens to most people is they get hooked on it. They get hooked on the feeling. Even when you don't do well, there is a, there's an adrenaline rush just being up there and kind of putting yourself in that position in front of a crowd of people that you get hooked on and, and you want to come back. Uh, and, uh, and I think that that's common. Then what separates those people from the ones I think that will ultimately go pro is the work. You know what I mean? So everyone loves the rush, and that's what keeps you coming back. But can you put in the work, uh, and can you keep grinding it out? Because it's not always fun. I, I mean, I love it, and I love it every time, but it's not always fun <laughs> you know, uh, to, to make yourself get up, make yourself right, uh, you know, go through that, that whole you know, being nervous. And, and you know, uh, it's, you know, it, it's a grind. It's a grind. A lot of times, it's not fun at all. But again, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a real high. It's a real high when you do get laughs. Yeah. And I think also starting out open mics, probably the toughest open mic crowd on the planet. Yeah. We're talking other comics are the only people in the crowd. Yeah, Bonkers, you go to which is now yeah. the Louis Anderson Theater at Palace Station. Yeah, yeah. Most open mics, uh, you're exactly right. And I think you know, Brand and I have talked about it on the show. When you go to an open, nobody, uh, especially in Las Vegas, no one is just going to go to an open mic. You know what I mean? Like no, no one is just hanging around. Like what should we do tonight for our entertainment? No one says I want to go see brand new comedians who are probably terrible. It's, uh, it's nobody's idea of a great night out, right? So uh, yeah, when you go there, you're performing for other comics. Maybe, if you're lucky, uh, one of those comics brings a couple friends, and then that's your crowd. Those two or three people that your comic, you know, the other comics bring, that's, that's all you can zero in on. But at the same time, you get some comics to laugh, you did something good, you, you, you got something happening. I made a decision, a conscious decision, early, I thought long and hard, and I thought, okay, really tempted to go off-color, edgy, committed, committed yeah. to keeping it clean. Really? So consciously? Because I mean, you and I have spoke. I don't think that you know. I'm not, not to say that you, uh, uh, you know, uh, have a dirty mouth when conversationally. But yeah, you'll, you'll drop. You know, you'll drop a bad word from time to time. At home, yes. Right. Yeah. Off. Exactly. And when off I'm stage, talking to friends, yes. Off yeah. stage. Yeah. And I think that's why. Even now, today, I tend to vent more. Off stage, on stage, yeah. I'm very polite. <laughs> right. Like, Jesus Christ. I have it backwards. Right. It's got to drop an F-bomb. He's creeping me out. Um, what, uh, so why did you decide that you needed to do that? Again, having really thought about it and going to a few open mics, I noticed, for instance, at Mulligan's Landing. For instance, I played it out in my mind. If a booker comes to a club at an open mic and there are 12 comics, I already know 10 or 11 are going to be off color. Right. Because in a bar crowd, open mic crowd, 
that's what people want. They want shock and they want the F-bombs because they're drinking and they're going to laugh. Right. But if you can be a clean comic and you can get, if you can commit to the material and you can get laughs, th the other thing is if a booker comes in and he's looking for a comic, he has one of 12. But if he's looking for a clean comic, it's probably me and one other guy. It's true. And you know, uh, the, the other thing about that is, especially at open mics, I mean, I think across the board, you know, uh, a lot of comics feel that, yeah, you know, you got to be dirtier, you got to be edgier, because so many of, you know, the, the um, legendary comics, you know, the people that we think of when we think of stand-up comedy w are that way. When you go to an open mic, um, and, and it sounds stupid to say this, but uh, I think that you almost have to learn how to do comedy that way. You know what I mean? You go to an open mic and you listen to some brand new comics do off-color material, it is uncomfortable. You know what I mean? It's, it's completely overbearing. You know, everything is, uh, is fuck, 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 fuck. Everything is, you know, just sex jokes. And, and I really think that, you know, you have, to, you have to learn how to do that right. You know, I've, I've said this before. I say fuck in my act several times. I don't think anyone will call me a dirty comic because I, I think I do it in a way uh, that, you know, that, that just kind of feels like it's part of the short. It's organic. I think a lot of new comics especially depend on the profanity. That's their punchline. So going back to what I said at the top of the show, know where the funny part is? I think some brand new comics, that's the funny part. Right? I'm going to say point. something that's so over the top. People are going to cringe, go, holy shit. And, uh, and, and, that's, and that's all they're basing it on. And, uh, and I agree with you. I mean, I think that that's the wrong way to go about it. So the fact that you made a conscious decision, I respect that. I think that's, I think that's impressive. I look at just from down the road standpoint in terms of, of getting booked, hopefully on a consistent basis, you're never going to get booked on a cruise line if you're dirty. You're not... Oftentimes, you won't see someone walk out of a comedy club because that guy was just too clean. <laughs> I might. I'm just being honest with you. We have a question. What's up, Scott? Uh, yeah, Grammar Nazi uh, asked if you uh, were going to give some advice to 22 students who have to go up and do uh, uh, their first stand-up ever in front of 22 students, what would you tell them to do? Uh, that's a great question, and uh, I think we're going to be hearing more from Grammar Nazi soon. Uh, incidentally, a little, a little preview of something to come down the road. But uh, uh, that's, um, that's tough. Uh, Grammar Nazi, uh, without getting too into it, I, I, I know him. Uh, he teaches, he's a college professor, and he teaches a class, uh, and it's much more academic than just a stand-up comedy class. Uh, but, uh, but the final, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, and, and please correct me in the chat room if I'm wrong, but uh, like they either have to write uh, like an insanely long term paper on like some sort of comic theory, or do five minutes of stand-up. So obviously he's pushing people to do the stand-up. Uh, and it's, uh, I, I'm always so fascinated every year that he does this, and it's been a, a couple times, and he and I always correspond, because uh, I do not envy these kids necessarily. They, they don't necessarily want to be comics, right? But they're in this class and they have to do this thing. Uh, so the, the one thing that I would say, and, and I'm begging you guys, I'm begging you to do this, uh, write it all down, okay? I, I, and I mean literally with a pen. Don't even do it on a laptop. Write it down with a pen. Know exactly what you're going to do. Now, when you get up on stage, it might not be that way. You know what I mean? Maybe you'll improv something, you'll think of something, or someone will throw out a line, and, and you'll play off of it. Uh, I don't think any show I've ever done in 12 years uh, has ever gone exactly the way I've scripted it on a piece of paper. But I always know that if things are going horribly, and nobody's laughing, and I'm just frozen up there, I know exactly what I can do. I can put my head down, and I can do these jokes, and I will get off stage, and, and that'll be that. It'll be over, at least. 
Um, because I promise you, when you're up there, uh, and even if you're doing three minutes or five minutes, it will feel like forever. It will be awful uh, if, uh, if, you, uh, if you think that maybe you're just going like, to play off uh, you know, the, the crowd or, or you're, you know, you're going to wing it. But uh, anyway, so that's the one thing I could say. Prepare and, and practice it. Like say it out loud. You know, walk around your bedroom. Say it in the mirror. Say it out loud like you're going to do it so you feel comfortable. Uh, that's, uh, that's the one tip I have. I don't know. Scott, why don't you tell me? I think more than anything else, know your audience. If your audience, 22-year-old students, relate to them, speak their language. What are they into? What do they listen to? What do they watch? Tap into their reality. Are you telling them to be dirty, Scott? Because I'm I telling feel like them to be uh... as dirty as you possibly can. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. Right. It's a good... <laughs> the other thing I would do just to illustrate your point is preparation. The will to win is nothing without the will to prepare. And that's the key. To me, when you're talking about a comic that's nervous, that's a lack of preparation, in my opinion. Sure. I really believe if you take the focus off you and focus on connecting with the audience, make it about them. Tap into their world. Hey, have you guys ever seen a comedian go up and just try to do pure crowd work? I've seen lots of them, sure. Uh, there's there are some comics that, uh, that that feel like that's their shtick. You know what I mean? Like I'm the guy uh, that want to works the crowd. In fact, uh, you know my mentor who I've talked about before, Scotty Goff. He started out as as a straight standup, right? He would do his act, and then uh, you know every now and then he would uh, he had a couple of spots like like I do a little bit where he you know it was he would reach out to the crowd, uh, you know as a, a way to set up a joke, right? And I, and I do that in my set as well. And then he started branching out a little bit more and asking a couple different people. Uh, to the point where it became, you know, half or even more of his act um, was doing crowd work, which is fine. The thing about crowd work is when it works, it's funnier than anything you could ever write, right? Because the crowd's into it, it's in the moment, you know, they really feel like, oh my God, we're experiencing something that's never happened before and will probably never happen again. So when it hits, amazing. It's not always going to hit. And when it doesn't, it's a catastrophe, <laughs> right? Because once you open up that can of worms, you, I can't start talking. If you're in the crowd, I can't start talking to you. Uh, you know, you don't feel like it. Now you start throwing shit at me. Guess what? That's my fault. You're not the asshole heckler who's ruining the show. I'm the shithead that, you know, started prodding the bear at the zoo and then gets pissed when the bear mauls his face off. <laughs> like you can't, you know, so it's, you know, I, uh, it's not something that I, that, that I recommend, especially for a, a newer comics to do. Like I said, I have moments in my act where I go into the crowd, but it's calculated. I know that it's going to go one of three or four ways, and I'm prepared for it. If it goes squirrely, well, again, that's my fault. You know, I guess uh, you know, either I, I, I think of something quick or I, or I suffer my consequences of my actions. But, uh, I, but again, I'm a control freak. I like knowing where things are going to go. I don't want to be surprised. This is my show, right? I'm up here telling the jokes. I want to know what's happening. Uh, and uh, so, so that's, that's my take. I don't know what you think about crowd work. I actually, my humble opinion in regards to crowd work, I think it's a bit of a cop-out. Okay. Because there's always, the best improv isn't. Oftentimes you might think as an audience member, wow, that guy's in the moment. But the fact is, there's always a guy with a big head. There's always a man <laughs> and a woman. There's always a guy with glasses. Got to make fun of my bit head material. I'm right here. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. So the idea is, I think it's a little bit of a cop-out. I think some of it, everything in moderation, so to speak. I do know if you talk to bookers and managers, they will not even look at a tape if it's crowd work. Having said that, audiences love it simply because they're in on it. Yeah, exactly. They're part of the show. You're exactly right. 
and, and the idea again that the best improv isn't by that what I'm talking about is it appears that you're in the moment when in essence you've dealt with it as a comic a million times Absolutely. but it comes across as fresh and new to the audience exactly and then that's kind of what I was saying you know so there's a couple of sp spots in my act well I'll, you know I'll ask somebody uh, you know, how long they've been married or whatever you know I have like I said there's about three or four spots um, and then I'll come back with an immediate retort, and everybody, it's always sort of the biggest laugh. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, believe me, there's nothing you can say that I haven't heard already. And at, at some point or another, there probably was a time where I was like, oh, shit, I don't have anything for this. <laughs> then you think of something on the ride home, because that's always when your right, most hilarious comebacks yeah. come. And then next time I ask it, and you say that, I got it. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> when, when you see somebody doing amazing crowd work, how's he coming up with this stuff on the fly? He's not coming up with it on the fly, I promise. Well, I think uh, of Robin Williams. I mean, he'll... It appears that, A, he goes in the audience. Like, who has a pen? I just thought of something. Well, of course, someone in the first two rows has a pen. Right. But it's like, wow, the guy's a genius. He right. just came up with that off the top of his... Someone has a pen in the audience. <laughs> you believe it? What are the chances? Uh, what's up, Scott? We got another one? Yeah, two questions that I actually have. Yep. Uh, how much material do you have to write to do five minutes of content? And how often, Scotty, do you write new content? Um, well, that was a very awkward shot. I don't know uh, what the disembodied hand uh, that was about to to choke you out. I hope that, hope that doesn't stick. Um, I, I would say, uh, time it out. Everyone always has to say, uh, when, uh, that's why I always say you have to say it out loud, right? So you write these jokes and you say it out loud, literally time yourself. You'll always uh, get people who say, well, I want to leave room for the laughs. Go ahead and don't leave room for the laughs at first. Number one, you might not get them. Uh, and number two, I promise you, you will talk faster than you think you will. Uh, so, so yeah, literally, that's, that's how you know. Write stuff down, say it out loud. How, how long did that take? Uh, I mean, for me, I can write, you know, and again, I, I've said it before, I handwrite all of my material. Uh, one page, maybe 30 seconds of material, you know, when you're, when you're actually saying it. Uh, so it takes some time. I mean, you really have to, you really have to develop it. I don't know if you, and I think it's harder for you, because whereas I'm more of a storytelling comic, you're, you're almost more of like a throwback, kind of a one-liner comic. So, I mean, between you and I, you know, to, to fill the same maybe eight minutes, uh, I'm doing two or three bits, you're doing 15 bits. So I think you actually have a harder job. I think that has to do with the fact you get laughs, and that's why Also, <laughs> look, uh, not always, believe me, I've seen me. Uh, but I respect what you say yeah. in terms of when I write material, I'm a big, I know what Jerry Seinfeld says. He says if he can take an eight-word joke and condense it down to five, the shorter the setup to the punch, the bigger the laugh. And I have a, the utmost respect for the audience. I try to think in terms of short phrases, direct to the point, bada bing, bada boom, let's go, pause. If they laugh, great. If not, hey, it wasn't a joke, it was just a statement. Right, exactly. I'm just, <laughs> what, I can't take a minute to myself? Uh, what else, Scott? Uh, Ira wants to know, how do both of you deal with drunk people in the, uh, in the crowd? So, um, <laughs> So how do we do stand-up every time we've ever done it? <laughs> um, it's funny that we're doing this on Friday. In inevitably, if you ask 90% of comics who have done stand-up for a chunk of time what their least favorite show of the week is, uh, I promise you, most of the time, unless they're the kind of comic that really thrives on this kind of crowd, Friday Night Late Show. Worst show of the week uh, because one of the, you only get you know, two kinds of people. Uh, 
One, the people that uh, are coming to the Late Show and they're exhausted because they've been working all week and they just feel like they're supposed to do something on Friday, uh, so they're tired and, and you know maybe they probably shouldn't have come out that night. Or two, uh, the other way, people that are all amped up, went to happy hour at 5, it's now 10.30, they're mullered up and just ready for action and believe me when I tell you, they're going to help the show. Because uh, they were the funniest person at the bar earlier, and they're going to show you. So I hate it. I, I feel like the, you know, the, there's almost no winning at a Friday Night Late Show. Um, I, uh, my, my rule for not only drunk people, but hecklers across the board is uh, don't deal with it unless you have to deal with it. We're so hypersensitive as comics uh, when we're on stage. If we hear anything, like our instinct is, what would you just say? Not everyone heard that. You know, that's one person in a corner of a room. This person over here you know, with, with 200 people in between them didn't necessarily hear what you heard, right? So, uh, so it, just because you hear something in the crowd doesn't mean that you should jump out on there and start dealing with it. I won't deal with a heckler and, unless one of two things. One, uh, I have something really funny to say. Uh, or two, it's a disturbance. Um, and when it's a disturbance, uh, I've found that the crowd is always on your side. Right? If it's a really just a drunken idiot just hurling things out, the audience is pissed at them too. Okay? So you can do, you know, everyone, everything's in your favor. As long as you don't crumble and start falling apart, you'll be fine. Yell at them, make fun of them. Uh, you know, a lot of comics have sort of, uh, uh, you know, hacky jokes in their back pocket. You know, I don't come to your work and, and then something hilarious, uh, generally with a penis. Um, you know, whatever. But, uh, yeah, the, the crowd's on your side. So just, just have some confidence uh, in yourself. Uh, and and don't, don't do it unless you have to. All right? This idea that, you know, uh, you're going you're gonna to go out and, and just beat, the, just kick in the teeth everybody uh, who's going to try and interrupt your show, not necessary. Most of the time, you keep talking this guy's going to shut up because they're not getting the attention they want. All they want is attention. You give them that attention, even if you're slamming them, they still might not shut up. So don't, don't give them the floor if you don't have to. I don't know if you've had the same experience. but As a comic, I think oftentimes they actually think they're helping the show, and you cannot rationalize with a drunk. And the idea is I, I find it challenging to ignore, so I always try to acknowledge, and I may ask them to, what's that? I couldn't quite... What's that? Have them repeat it, and then you repeat it because you have the microphone so everyone can hear it the whole time you're thinking about. I don't ever really want to go off on someone because chances are they paid money to be there, and their intent is not to upset the show. They're intoxicated. They're under the influence, and they think they're helping when, in essence, they're not. So I'll try to acknowledge it and say, listen, you know what? In fairness to everyone else, would you mind standing up and, and saying it? <laughs> and we all know everyone, everyone right. is fearful yeah. of speaking right. in front of a crowd. And then just maybe make a joke, hey, listen, we only have one microphone. But hey, I appreciate you being here. And as funny as we are, we're even funnier if you don't interrupt. Wow. So, I mean, the idea is to. That's so polite. That's like how a Mormon would deal with a heckler. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, oh, now I feel bad for everyone I've ever told to shut the fuck up. Uh, we got another question, Scott? We do. Uh, in the spirit, Ace wants to know if either of you have ever been on stage drunk. Uh, yeah, uh, sure. Uh, I, Brant, if Brant was here, he could, that man could, could uh, you know, uh, could write a book. I mean, it'd be a short book from what he remembers, but that guy has performed drunk a lot. I try not to do it. Uh, when I drink, the first thing that goes is like my motor skills in my mouth. So I will start slurring. Even before I feel drunk, I'll kind of start slurring words a little bit. Um, uh, the two times I remember, once I, I actually got drunk 
on stage. It was uh, when I first moved to New York and I came back for my first uh, full week featuring uh, in Tucson. The staff was sending me drinks, you know, because they hadn't seen me in a while and it was funny to them. Uh, and by minute number 20 of my set, like I was really starting to feel it and it really unraveled for me. Uh, the second was actually my, uh, my first week featuring at the, uh, at the LA Comedy Club. And I think I've told this story on the show before. Uh, I had a, a listener to my podcast was in town, and we did this Diamond Lounge challenge. We went to all the Harris Diamond Lounges, and we got two drinks at each one. And then by the third one, uh, I, I get to a point where I drink, where all I want to do is keep drinking, because it's the best. Whitney knows what I'm talking about. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so uh, like, it would get to a point where we were having our two drinks, and then I'd see a drink that somebody else had. I'm like, set them up. I want that too. So, uh, it, and it was 5 o'clock, right? And I'm shit-faced, passing out. He sent me up to his room at Caesars to take a shower. Thank God he forgot his phone, because three minutes later when he returned, I was passed out in my underwear on his bed. I'm pretty sure he burned that comforter. But uh, it, it's, and, and you know, so uh, you know, I get in the cab drunk, I go to the club drunk, uh, I, uh, I sit down on the toilet and pass out drunk right outside of the LA Comedy Club. Uh, and, uh, and by the time I, uh, I got up there, the first show was a mess. I, uh, it, it, I was so embarrassed uh, that I went into the green room, and this is back when they still had a little couch in the green room, and I passed out. Then I woke up for the late show. This is when they used to still have two shows at the LA Comedy Club. And uh, now I'm hungover, which is worse. Uh, so I went up and did the late show hungover and then just got the fuck out. Uh, and it, believe me when I tell you this, there's a lot of people, uh, and, and you hear it all the time, that say, oh, I, 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 could, I could do that, but I, I would need to get drunk first, right? Like they think that drinking is going to take the stage fright away. It will only make it worse. There, all you have is time to get drunk afterwards. Believe me, when you work an hour a day, there's a lot of times to get drunk in that 23 hours. So just you know, try and do that one hour sober or 15 minutes, whatever you're doing. It, it, you're, not, you're not doing yourself a favor, in my, my opinion, for me, get, getting drunk. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Again, the audience, they didn't take time out of their day, take a shower, put on deodorant. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Drive down to the comedy I'm not show. showering for some drunk. We've already determined that if you're under the influence, it's your rational thinking is out the window. I wouldn't want to go to a sporting event knowing that Tim Duncan is drunk. Especially because, if you got a couple bucks on the game. Well, Believe because, me, because right? he's a little bit nervous. Right. So for him to overcome that, he drinks. I mean, to me, that it's easy for me to say though. I don't yeah. drink. <laughs> yeah. I have a tough enough time getting laughs sober. Right. I can't imagine being under the influence trying right. to do it. But again, I, personally, I think it's disrespecting the audience. It, it's a, you know, that's such a great call. And we focus so much, uh, even on this show, uh, comics about you know, what, what we do, our act. Uh, you know, we got to make yourself happy. And I believe in all that. But I am always conscious uh, of the fact that people paid to get in there and see me. I'm, I'm part of their night out. You know what I mean? Uh, and you're absolutely right. Uh, if I paid money and some fucking guy, he better be so drunk that it's funny because he's drunk. You know, I'm laughing one way or another. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I don't want to see somebody who's supposed to be up there making me laugh and they can't, you know, they can't get you know, through a, through a punchline uh, because they're slurring their words and they forget where they are. It's, uh, it's, it's awful. So, yeah. Now, there are exceptions. Sure. Our good buddy Brant Tobler is the exception to just about every rule. The guy's a machine. He can break all rules and get yeah. away with it. He can turn his back on the audience. He can drink. He can forget what he's saying, 
And the crowd loves him. He's like, but he's the exception, not the rule. Yeah, believe me. Yeah, <laughs> some people you just go up and you instantly like. I, uh, you're, when I go up, you're instantly disappointed. Uh, so I have to work hard. Uh, so that's why I don't drink. You know, speaking of Brand, uh, you you are personal friends with Brand. You've yeah. known him for a while, yeah. uh, and he uh, he's always said uh, that one of his favorite things to do when people come up to him, right, and say, "Oh, I think I could do stand up," is he encourages them to go do stand up, right? Yeah, no, totally. You'd be great at it. Uh, did he do that to you, or did you do this on your own? No, I've heard him say this many times. <laughs> I've heard him. I started doing stand up without even telling Brand. Okay. And, but I've heard Smart. him say that many times. Well I know in the past, in hearing you speak in the past, talking about people who come up, hey, I think I'm a comedian, I'd love to do it. And you'll spend 30 minutes, an hour with someone. Brant will be just as pleasant, just as nice, but it's about 30 seconds. Yeah, come with me, we'll do open <laughs> mic. And then he'll watch them eat shit. <laughs> it is true. We're nurturing in different ways. You know, I'm the hippie liberal parent that wants to sit down and hear about your problems. He's the guy that makes you smoke a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, um, but uh, we were actually talking before because, you know, he, he has, he's a guy that, that, uh, that has been working for a while. So I'm sure at some point or another, uh, you know, you've talked to him about stand-up. And I know that he has encouraged you to get up more and, and stuff like that. Uh, and anything, uh, any takeaways that he's given you that, uh, that, you, that you still hold on to? Most recently, we had lunch about two weeks ago, and I was talking to Brant saying, hey, listen, you know, I, I respect what you've done. You're proven. You're the man. And I'm, I've been doing the Saturday night hosting bit at LA Comedy Club. I get eight minutes of stand-up, and I'm there as the host. It's not about me, I understand, but I'm there to promote the club and the other comics. And I have new material, but I tend to go with the, the same eight minutes because it seems to get laughs. So I'm a whore. I'll go where the laughs are. Yeah. What do you think, Brant? He replies, no one cares what you do. <laughs> he says, you're the host, all right? Yeah. And he says this because a headliner told him when Brant was hosting that it's about the headliner. It's not about you, so you should be doing new material, being creative on a week-in, week-out basis. Good input. I agree with that to a point. I, I, I do believe that, especially when you're starting out, there, there's a certain um, uh, degree of, of just getting comfortable on stage. You know, it, it's not natural. What, what we do is not normal, right? So it, it's, it's hard. And, uh, you know, you, you do need to kind of uh, develop. Like, when I first started, I'd get freaked out. Like, after my first two open mics, I'm like, well, I don't have any new jokes. It's the same comics. Like, I can't go up there and just, you know, just do these jokes, and they're all going to be quiet because I've heard them before. Uh, and, uh, you know, another comic said, no, you need to just go up and do those same jokes. If that's what you have, do those same jokes. Because just standing there and learning about the things you never think about. You know, people always think about, uh, oh, I have to write jokes and they have to be funny. It, well, okay, that's the given. Uh, you have to learn how to be on stage, your mannerisms on stage. You, you're, you're holding a mic. Like all of it, it's, it's like a baby learning to walk. There's all these little things that go into stand-up that you take for granted. When I first started, I, I, I had the mic like I was fucking gnawing on that son of a bitch, right? And I, and I talk loud to begin with, uh, and then I have a microphone, and then it's right here. So I'm blowing people's ears out. They can't hear me because I'm muffling. You know, so, so just like the little things about getting up on stage. So uh, to some degree, I disagree with him, but he's also... Absolutely right. When you're a host, your stand-up is the second part of your job when you're a host, right? Your first job, and I promise you every club I've ever been in, this has been the case, uh, is, uh, is to run that show and promote the club properly. Uh, you will get booked uh, again as an MC uh, if you don't get one laugh 
but you don't fuck up an intro. You do every single uh, announcement they ask you to about turning your cell phones off, uh, about you know who's coming up next week, about you know watch your step going to the. Every, you do all of that, and you don't go over your time. You'll get booked. We'll figure the rest out later. You know, if you make people laugh, that's a bonus. Uh, so so yeah, you're you know on one level he's right. You know, don't worry about your your material as much. Uh, you know, if you have new stuff, do new stuff because. Uh, uh, when there's an hour and a half of comedy after you, right. even if you're really funny, chances are someone, they're not going to remember you. Because right. the two people after you were probably funnier. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying you specifically, but generally the host right. uh, is, uh, you know, in, in most comedy clubs, is, is sort of the least experienced of the three. So yeah, it's only natural that the next two guys are going to be better than you. Uh, so uh, that's why, uh, yeah, so you, you should. You, you know, that's, I think that's, uh, on another hand, I think that's a great point. As a host, you're thinking, okay, well, I want to feature and I want a headline. Right. So I have to have a venue in front of a paid group, preferably, as opposed to drunk bastards at a bar playing video poker right. to really truly test the material. Yeah. And so that's why, again, instead of, I respect what you're saying because you're talking about before moving on, creating new material, let's perfect and tweak what you currently have. So there's a fine line there. I agree. Uh, and uh, I, I would also say, you know, going back to what uh, Grammar Nazi was saying, uh, if, if there are any people in that class that, that are thinking about pursuing a career in comedy down the road, uh, I think it's natural to kind of uh, always want to, you know, you, you, you skip all the steps in between and you're like, God, I can't wait until I have my own HBO special and then ultimately my own sitcom. Why don't you slow down a minute, champ? <laughs> all right? Like, I, I always said, you know, for me, it was always looking at that next step ahead. You know, so when I would go, you know, I watched comment. Uh, comedy obsessively, you know what I mean? So I would go to the club and, uh, and I wouldn't sit here and watch a headliner demolish a room and think to myself, man, I can't wait till I'm doing that. I'd look at the host, you know, because I, I was just an open micer, you know, and I'm thinking, man, that guy's getting paid $150 to do seven <laughs> shows of comedy. Oh my God, I can't imagine something so great. Uh, and I would think, how do I get myself to, you know, to that level? You know? and, uh, so, so yeah, look at the next person uh, up from you and, and see what they're doing. You know, the, re the rest will fall into place, but no one's ever going to go from, from this to this and skip in between. You know? So, so kind of look at the little things that, 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 go, that go from it. I know what you say is true. There's two sides to the coin. One. Never compare yourself to your peers, only compare yourself to your goals. But having said that, for first time open micers, I speak personally, don't compare yourself to Seinfeld, Bob Newhart, or Bill Cosby. When you're doing open mics and it's early and often, hopefully, it's okay to compare yourself to other open micers. We all have to start somewhere. Or a comic who has done stand-up within the past decade. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Stop it. Uh, <laughs> all right. Look, uh, we're, we're wrapping it up a little bit here, but uh, but let's kind of let's kind of talk uh, about where you are now and where you see yourself. So you know, you you mentioned uh, you know in, in the latter half of your 40s, and uh, and and I ask you this because when I first started out. Uh, me and, uh, and still remains a good buddy of mine, Walt Maxim, we started doing stand-up at the very same open mic. We started together. Uh, I was 19, he was 53, okay? And, uh, and it was very clear to everybody sort of what my motives were. I wanted to be a stand-up. That's all I ever wanted to do. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I pushed it really hard, and, and I always, you know, uh, you know, and I moved, I, I've said it before, I think faster than I, I should have. He was always a little bit more slow and steady, right? So now it's been 12 years, and, you know, and he's, he's featuring, he'll still, he'll still open, uh, you know, and he's featuring, and, but he's, and he's always said, you know what, I'm fine with that. If I never featured, I would have been fine with that too. Uh, 
This is always just kind of what I wanted. I'm, excuse me, I'm going to ask you the same question. Um, you know, do you, do, is this just something that you're happy that you did, you always wanted to do, and, and you're happy to be doing it once a week? Or do you look down the road and say, no, why not? I, I want to do this full time. I want to tour around the country. First and foremost, I'm grateful just for today and doing stand-up. I love it. It is a high when you get laughs. I'm grateful for the opportunity to be on this show, Awkward Silence. I take it one day at a time, pride myself living in the moment. Having said that, I'm big on whatever you do, get in the game, take action. Once I finally took action, nothing happened until I took action a year ago, March. And by doing the open mics, marrying myself to that was fortunate. Matt and Joaquin from the LA Comedy ca caught me at Grindberger across from UNLV, I believe it was in June, and liked the fact that I was clean, thought some of the things I said actually got a couple of chuckles. And, and then through networking, through my good friend Brant Tobler, I started coming down and doing guest spots, five to seven minute guest spots, off nights, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, LA Comedy Club, then worked into hosting every now and again on an off night to where eventually I started doing it on a weekend and, and fortunately, feel fortunate and blessed having done it now on Saturdays at the LA Comedy Club every Saturday since October and then tomorrow night being booked at the Casablanca in Mesquite, which to me is interesting. I mean, I'm excited about it, but it seems to me you have to pay your dues in Las Vegas so you can get booked in Mesquite. Yeah, that's brutal. I, you're doing something wrong. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that's, a, that's a gig. I mean, look, we, we've said it a million times, you know. Uh, yeah, Kevin Meany was here talking about working uh, Carnegie Hall and opening for, for uh, uh, Seinfeld on Broadway, and then, you know, two weeks later, he's, uh, you know, on, on a fucking, you know, triangle wedge of a stage in some shithole in Idaho. Uh, welcome to stand-up. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that's cool. So, so is this still something that, that you think one day you'll, you know, you're pursuing and you want to do full time or are you happy to just make it a hobby you know, until you feel like stopping? Either way, I'm okay. Yeah. My goal and objective today, based on the question that you ask and I respect the question, I'm married, I have a daughter, I love Las Vegas. I'm not convinced I want to travel to Topeka, to Boise and do feature work. Believe me, you don't. I've done it. And, and I mean, at age 46, 47, and I would really prefer to being an entrepreneur, having multiple businesses. I'm enjoying comedy. I love making people laugh and I enjoy making money and I enjoy getting dizzy going from camera to camera. Okay. Thank God you don't drink. This would have gotten messy. Uh, <laughs> oh, there you are. <laughs> uh, well, that's good, man. I think you got the right attitude. It, it, you know, for, for everyone who ever wants, uh, wanted to do this, uh, what, what you're saying is, is the most important thing. Do it because that's your motivation. If you start doing this because you think you are going to be very rich and very famous and get tons of girls, you're probably in the wrong business. Uh, you know, you, there's a million better ways to do it uh, than, than try and stand up because it's hard. Uh, so uh, if you do it because you love doing it. I've, I've said this a, a million times. You don't fall into the career of comedy or even to the hobby of comedy. Nobody does it because, you know, their dad was a comic or, you know, uh, all the other jobs were taken. So I guess I'm going to have to throw my business degree away and do comedy. Like you can't, you can't accidentally become a comic. You know, it's nobody's fallback. Uh, you do it because you have to do it, because you love it, um, because you love the feeling of being up there, and you feel there's something in you that you need to share with other people, um, and, uh, and, and that they're going to love it. That, that's why I've always said it, it's funny when you, when you meet comics, uh, myself very much included, always have self-esteem issues, always self-loathing, but at the same time, they're doing something that, if you really break it down, is the most egotistical thing in the world. 
You know what I mean? You're gonna pay me to come here and just listen to shit that I thought of while I was pooping today. How's that? That's how important I am. I'm your whole night, deal with it. And then you cry later. Uh, but, uh, so, so yeah, there's no reason to do it uh, other than uh, to love doing it. And anyone who's seen you, I think, knows that you love doing it. So I recommend going to see the one and only Scott Pritchard at the LA Comedy Club, uh, hosting on Saturday nights. Uh, and uh, if you're out there in Mesquite, you don't have the internet, so I'm sorry. You will have to read about it in the paper. Uh, all right, any, any parting shots to the fans out there? The only thing I would say if you're starting out doing comedy, oh, there it is. Hey, let's try this one. <laughs> Just... The only thing I would suggest, having been involved for 13 months, is once again, get in the game. I will say that I have instant respect for anyone who has the balls to get up on stage and motivate people to laugh. And oftentimes, before I got into stand-up, I remember being a critic. Hey, that guy sucks. How yeah. did he end up on stage? It's just coincidence I looked at you. You understand that. No, I got no. <laughs> Loud and clear, buddy. But instant respect, because as you say, <laughs> it's challenging yeah. being on stage, motivating people to laugh at the unique way that you see the world. So anyone that's doing it, instant respect. And then when you do it a little bit longer, you'll start hating them more. That's the way comedy goes. All right, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us on a Friday. I know we did it on a special night. Uh, next week, we will be back at our usual time, 6 o'clock Vegas time, uh, on Thursday. So I look forward to hanging out with you then. Uh, watch Less Bet. Also, very good show. Recommend it. And uh, now go out and do whatever it is that you people do on Fridays. Goodbye.